Hey, I'm Will Lavise. He's Eric Claville. You tune into Lavise and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is, from a black male's perspective, because it's like that, and that's the way it is. So we're gonna get right to it. We have hit the end of the first season of Lavise and Claville, but unlike the late great Godfather of Soul, James Brown, who would hit it and quit. We're going to hit it, but we're not going to quit. This is just the first season of what we hope to be many, many more seasons, but it's been absolutely delightful grinding this out, triggering this out, and something that uh, Claville and I have talked about doing for several years. I think we talked about that in the beginning, how I had a radio show, you were on my radio show, the Will of V show, which aired out of uh, Hampton, and then uh, you got your own show, been doing your own things. We have both been blessed yeah. to be on Another View with Barbara Ham Lee, who's on public radio down in Norfolk, and to be uh, guests on that show as part of the um, roundtable. Shout out to, to Barbara and, and Lisa Godley, All, always, you know, we, we, we love them. And so we always talked about, you know, this is an opportunity to collaborate and to, to, um, you know, continue to, to chop it up. And so and that's a big reason why we we got into doing this anyway, because we thought that we had something value, valuable to say, valuable to offer. And so um, the times when we were on radio, and, you know, the audiences have, have been telling us that. So we said, well, why not see what we be able to pull together? Why not be like, like, like Wu-Tang? You know, you can have your own <laughs> show and then they come together and collaborate. Absolutely. Collaborate too. Well, you know, it, it, I can't believe that it's been one full season of LaVie St. Claville. And, you know, I want to thank you for approaching me with the idea. You know, we, we as you stated, you know, you were so gracious uh, to ask me to come on to the Will LaVie show. Uh, matter of fact, I, I don't even know how, how we met or became friends, but it seemed like we've known each other uh, forever. Absolutely. <laughs> Brothers from, you know, the, the segregated South and the segregated North, <laughs> brother. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things where when you meet certain people, you know it was meant to be. Uh, with that, build, whether it's building a company, whether it's building personal relationships, whether it's right. building what, what we're doing, you know, building this show. And, um, you know, this was something that you said, hey, we could bring our two minds together what we both do very well, it complement each other and really talk to the public and give the people something that's missing, something that's missing right. uh, from the talk world. And you're exactly right. Uh, our voices, they're just not our voices. We represent uh, generations that are poured into us. Right. We represent experiences that we've had and and many, many of our colleagues and many uh, black males uh, have yeah. had, uh, yeah. but their voices are missing, and we're we're just there to help fill the void. And through the mechanism of of technology, this this great mechanism of podcasts and and also radio, uh, we've been able to do that. So it's been very fortunate. And listen, you mentioned our dear sister uh, Barbara Ham Lee on another view, Absolutely. who's been holding it down in Hampton Roads in Norfolk. Uh, Virginia. Uh, she's heard 
of course, on the WHRO, WHRV, uh, public radio affiliate there across the street from ODU, Old Dominion University. But you can stream. My alma mater, my alma mater. I got my doctor. That's right. Absolutely. You know, you can stream her show on anotherviewradio.org. But also, you know, her her very capable and Emmy Award winning. They just won another Emmy, by the way. uh, Oh, man. That's right. You know, so, you know, to them who actually brought us on, I remember 2014 was the first time I was on her show. And I think I think we probably met uh, doing a show at the rail uh, at the rail man, table. I'm not sure. About it is. Yeah, that probably wasn't. I mean, man, time just time just flies because I had 2014. Like, <laughs> it seems like yesterday, but it sounds it sounds like yesteryear, you know, 2014 oh my as we're down. You know, 2021 looking at 2022 yeah. but um yeah i mean i think again as you talk about voices and a lot of the the feedback that we would often get is that you know with both of us being you know doctors or having doctorates in our respective fields um one of the things that we both share in common is this desire to still be uh brothers in terms of being able to communicate in a way that can reach the ivory tower or reach, you know, the, the corner on, you know, on the street corner, because one of the things that you and I know is that wisdom, life experiences, joy, pain, intelligence exists in both arenas. That's right. Oftentimes, you know, we get caught up in, uh, these letters after our names or we get caught up in what people call us and become pretentious about things. And you and I uh, both have personalities and they're really being you know, pretentious people with being still people of the people. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for the kind of conversations that go on in barbershops or that go on Absolutely. You know, in churches, you know, during the, uh, you know, during the fellowship hours and different things like that, or just go on across the dinner tables. And, you know, what you find is that a lot of brothers who have gone to school, educated, we've both gone to HBCUs, a lot of the learning that really happened, quite frankly, happened in the dorm room. You know, a lot of learn of chopping it up with each other and learning from each other from our different uh, places, different experiences, whether it be from Africa or other places in the world, or whether it be from other cities. So I think that's the kind of tone that we've yeah. tried to bring to it is that same experience. These are, you know, we're educated uh, brothers, but we still very much brothers and who understand that, like I said, that wisdom, that street knowledge, and that kind of brilliance. Uh, it exists in the neighborhoods. It exists across the board. I mean, I often think of my father, who had only an eighth grade education, mm-hmm. but was one of the wisest and brightest and most brilliant men that you know, I know, my late father. Man. And I know that you just celebrated you know, yeah. your dad, man. You all were able to get together and celebrate. And, yeah. you know, I know the kind of impact that he's had you know, on you with that level of wisdom and keeping you grounded. So I think that's Absolutely. something... Uh, we try to bring to what we to to the streaming platform. Yeah, you know, well, I'll go back to your initial comment. Um, it's our desire to stay connected. Right. You know, it's I think about that that verse where the Apostle Paul says, "You have to be all things to all men." Mm-hmm. Right. So it doesn't mean to be a jack of all trade. 
you know, you got to specialize in something. But what it means is you got to be you got to be relatable. Right. You, know? you have to be relatable without being offensive, but also hold your line mm-hmm. of your standards and your beliefs. We can do that. And I think that's also that's that's an aspect, Will, that I think that's missing uh, from today's conversations. Uh, we want to, you know, people people are offensive, holding their line, but and not and not respecting uh, of other person's views. You can agree to disagree, and I, exactly. that is missing. And you and I have agreed <laughs> to disagree, <laughs> and we disagree. Right? <laughs> but, but you can, but as to, but to your point, it doesn't mean that you have to be disagreeable. And those are the kinds of things that we keep seeing over again. Me as a journalist. It's something that you know, really grieves my heart for the profession as someone who still teaches journalism and really values the profession and, and the impact that it has and how important it is to a democratic society is that we see a lot of just talking heads and a lot of yelling, a lot of my view or no view. If you're against me, if you disagree with me, then you're my enemy. And it really, that's just not realistic. I know... Oftentimes, understanding the media as I do as, as a scholar, a studier of the media, I understand that those are, those are the kinds of things that sell because we're so uh, segmented as a society. You want to be able to, to talk to a specific audience and get them riled up and coming back often and, and paying the fees that come along with that, the advertising. And, but the bottom line is that most of the country is really much more in the middle and much more not so much just lockstep following certain talking points. Most of the country is in the middle with a lot of extremes, a lot of movement going on around in the middle. And most people are navigating their lives on a daily basis, not just identifying who their enemies are, but navigating their lives to, to try to figure out who can they work with. And people are doing this in their homes. Husbands and wives don't always agree, which it doesn't mean you don't have to be disagreeable. Uh, people are, you, you see this in workplaces. People have to figure out how to work together and work through their differences. You don't have to be on total polar opposites like what we see going on in our political uh, realm and, and the thing about it is, you know, as a political expert, that even those folks in Congress or in the state legislature, they know, they know what it is that they're doing, but they're so bent on just maintaining their position, right. just following the the uh, the talking points so that they can get the votes. But they know what they are doing, and they know where the country is. And, and one of the things we try to do with our, our show is really try to educate people as to what is really going on and give them some perspective and some idea and some sense, arm them with information that they can make better decisions and informed decisions on their own rather than just uh, um, overloading themselves with one point of view over and over and over like a hamster on a wheel. That's right. And, you know, you talk about, you know, individuals knowing that where things are real and those things that are not real, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a, it's the courage to be able to speak up. Now, I've said this before in working in politics and public policy for mm-hmm. really 
uh, over 20 years, over two decades, I found where, first of all, I anyone who runs for public office or public service, my hat's off to them, no matter what side you're on, because now you're exposing yourself, you know, the public right. criticism of people that don't know your journey. Right. They don't know anything about you, but they're they're slinging mud. They call it mud slinging for a reason. Right. These days, throwing grenades, right? <laughs> so, so listen, you got to be fortified to go out there and run for office and to serve, no matter who you are, what side you're on. So, I tip my hat to to everybody uh, that 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 engages in 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 in, in that type of activity. Uh, but at the same time, you have to be able to speak truth and power. You have to be able to, if you don't speak it, you have to be able to exercise it in policy, in your vote, and the like. I think that's what's missing because, of course, there's three rules to being a politician. Number one, win the election. Number two, stay elected. Number three, get reelected. So, <laughs> you know, you know, and that's, that's what I've advised my clients when I've consulted on these campaigns. Uh, and if you don't do... Those three, you're not an elected official. You become an ex-elected official, which means you sit on that table three rows back where they acknowledge you and just wave, but nobody right. really cares what you're saying. But so I understand how that plays. But still, right now in this climate, you know, the voices that we bring onto the show, the voices that we speak, the, the topics that we talk about right. are definitely needed because, you know, it's not about criticism. We're not criticizing. It's about constructively analyzing and giving analysis of what is written, was not written, how it's written, when it's written, and what should we look out for. Because we end every show, you end it well whatever with the line, what should African Americans or people? That's right. What should we do? What what should we do? You know, so we also look towards solutions because mm-hmm. when we talk about African Americans, of course, part of our our, our thought process in creating LaVisa and Camille was this voice was missing for the African-American community, African-American males. And we talked about, talked right. about that, you know, but at the same time, the knowledge that we have are just not for African-Americans. It's not just for African-American males, but it's for everyone. I mean, we have, I have colleagues and we have individuals that stream our show across seas. Right. Um, we have, I have white colleagues that, you know, uh, text me or contact me and say, I love your show, this topic to, you know, I like what, what Lil, Will LaVise talked about here and, and so forth. We have millennials that are listening to the show. We yes, have yeah. uh, individuals who are, are our seniors that are listening to, to, to the show. So we have our, we know just from what we talked about and we're going to go a little bit more in depth about some of the things that we talked about and, and at the end, where we're looking to go with season two and other seasons. But we we know from the comments that we receive right. that this is a space that, that we need. Yeah, I mean, and we kicked off, you know, unfortunately, having to talk about the uh, George uh, Floyd um, killing. And yeah. now we know it was a murder. Absolutely. And the trial that ensued of uh, Derek Chauvin. And it will be other police officers will be coming up. Uh, one, one of my favorite series that we also got into was the uh, Black Tax. Where we talked yes. about the different categories in which being Black in America and in fact being Black in a world, because there's a reality of anti-Blackness that is very real in the That's world. Right. But in, in America, 
what are the extra hurdles that we have to, or extra issues and challenges that we have to deal with just being black in America that maybe others don't have to face. And um, we also talked about fatherhood, you know, something that's near and dear to both of us. Um, you know, I've raised sons and a daughter, you've raised sons. Um, I think the ability to be able to chop it up and talk about what that's like and to be able to actually uh, express the fact that we are in the majority in terms of right. black men, the majority of black men are very much engaged with their children, whether they are married to the mother or not, or in the household or not. Studies have shown that the majority of black men compared to other groups of men are more engaged with their children, but that's not the prevailing narrative that we hear out there. We talked about even the disappointment of having to hear, you know, our first black president, you know, constantly, you know, drumming that beat. You know, we we know, yes, what he experienced with his father being absent was very real. We know that it is very real. That is a lot of young men and young women growing up without their fathers in their lives. Absolutely. And we pulled no punches about that. That's right. Those are deadbeat dads. Any bad Absolutely. Dad who has the ability to be in their child's life and makes the choice to not, not be to. in their child's life is absolutely a deadbeat. And all they do is create a situation where those children become adults who pass on pain. That's so right. we pulled no punches about that. So these are the types of things that we been endeavoring to try to communicate, dispel myths, talk about the disparities that exist in a real way and do it in a way that people, regardless to where your station is in life, we respect everybody regardless to what their station is in life. We yeah. try to communicate these things in a way that helps people, empowers people to be able to make Absolutely. decisions for their own lives and for the community. Well, I, I think that, like you said, that series on Black fatherhood was one that was near and dear to both of our hearts. You right. know, because, like you said, I, I just celebrated uh, with my family uh, and friends my father's 80th birthday celebration. Yeah, you know, it's a blessing. You know, celebrate a father that's been there for through thick and thin from beginning to end. And even when our mother passed away uh, prematurely hmm. uh, from sickness while we were still in school, he was there. Every day, going to work, coming home, picking us up, cooking breakfast, um, you know, and taking us to church, you know. So uh, it was great to see that and still have a father who's that old, uh, in his right mind, sharp as a tack, you know, remembers dates, places, things, <laughs> just like it was yesterday, even when he was, a, I'm serious, even when he was telling Telling you stories about when you were a kid and, and yeah. cutting up and, and so forth. Yeah, man, Absolutely. I mean, telling stories from 75 years ago. I mean, just like it was yesterday. Uh, but, though, but you know, of course, with 80 comes a few challenges, so it gets around with a cane now, but still gets around, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. listen, I, I he prayed that prayer. Uh, Lord, give me what you promised, three score and ten, and, and then more, and then some more. So God blessed him with that. And, look, I'll say my prayer is, Lord, let me the same but even longer. If, if, and as we say in the, in the church, if the Lord will, if the Lord tarry. Amen. You know, and uh, but I want to be able to do three things. I want to be able to know who I am. I want to be able to know who I'm talking to is, 
And I also want to be able to get to the bathroom on my own. <laughs> <laughs> if I yeah, it, it helps. It helps. Yeah, it helps to have the resources to be able to call the shots on all. You know, that's 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 yeah. another thing that very much you know the importance of uh, building wealth, the importance of yeah. finishing well. You know, and passing down a legacy. And clearly, absolutely, you know, your dad has done that with uh, you and, and your children and. You know, my father and my mother, you know, did that as well. And your mom did it as well. You know, she she is still very much in you. You know, her DNA is there and she she birthed you. Yeah. And so and also teachings and many, many That's right. That's right. Man. So you know, these these things, man, to have parents who, you know, are blessing were engaged and involved, uh, they make a difference. And these are the types of things that you know, we've tried to talk about, try to communicate, you know, the importance of education, um, the importance of being a lifelong learner. You know, I, I you know, I was thinking back on when we talked about the black tax and, and yeah. higher ed and how things that we have to face having obtained doctorates. Now, all of a sudden, you, you're thinking folks <laughs> will say, hey, man, I'm, I'm proud of you. And they do. But then you, we also have gotten the, you know, the hate of, well, now, oh, I got to call you doctor now, or, or these kinds of jealousies, and 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 I'm like, wow, man, uh, this is what I thought we were supposed to do. Right. Would it have been better if I had caught a case and ended right. up, you know, going upstate <laughs> and ended up going on vacation, or would it have been better if I had? you know, just been strung out on drugs or given up or something like that. Um, you know, one of the things that really drove me uh, to pursue my doctorate in education was coming up out of a tough neighborhood like Brownsville in Brooklyn, New York, one of the toughest, one of the worst neighborhoods in all of New York. And thinking about so many of my friends who did not make it because they were murdered or killed right. or did not have the kind of uh, parents who stress the importance of education, you know, amidst the dysfunction, because my household was was not problem free, you know. But I thought a lot of uh, times about those brothers, those close friends, man, that motivated me. Because I said, man, I have the ability to go forward and do this. Some of them were taken out early, you know. Having this blessing from God to be able to pursue higher education. In a, in a sense, I owe it to them who were not able to pursue it, to go and do it, to be able to say, hey, we are value. We, we do matter. Um, and your life still matters and, and tell their story. And so, you know, when people have come at us about, you know, as if somehow expecting that now you have a doctorate and now you're going to behave in some kind of pompous kind of way. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's not something that I've ever allowed, you know, people to undermine and make me feel uh, self-conscious about the fact that I was able to strive and go through the rigors That's of right. getting, <laughs> of doing what it takes to get a doctor. Man. And the same goes for yourself. What These things that we've been able to do are not easy. And, yeah. it, and it's taking, you know, a lot of people who have helped us along the way and who have motivated us along the way. And so, 
none of us is here by themselves. Absolutely. And Will, you also talked about the Black Tax series, and that's something that we felt that we really needed to address. You know, you just mm-hmm. talked about the higher Absolutely. education piece. We talked about how higher education education from different perspectives, both obtaining and then after you obtain, then in higher education, you know, and how right. how we navigate that. Right. Uh, we also talked about the black tax, the black middle class, and talked about how you know it's different, you know, in extra. And when we talk about black tax, there's an extra tax or extra uh, challenges that are Indeed. added over that Indeed. you don't get compensated for. But right. it adds to your weight, your additional weight. So these are all things that I think, again, was missing from the the talks, you know, that's out there. And we were fortunate enough to bring it in. But we're going to do even more of that um, in in season two. But the, the other series that we, we mentioned was, again, uh, the Justice of George Floyd series, where we talked about the entire incident from a historical standpoint, present time, the trial itself. And then, of course, we ended it with you know, the actual citizen. Right. 22.5 years, yes. Yeah. You know, we're to look forward to 15 years, you know, what's coming yeah. up. Uh, keep in mind, that date is on the calendar, not only for the families, both families, uh, the prosecution and the defense, but it's also on the calendar of all journalists. So right. <laughs> they're going to be covering that because that was a life-changing moment. And again, a moment that created a movement. Yes, yes. And I think that's key. The social justice movement uh, by the killing of George Floyd, which we do now know as a murder due to the conviction, uh, created a movement that is not going to stop. But And we're going to see what direction it goes in. Of course, with every movement, it starts together. But then, of course, it splinters. But then right. it comes back together, uh, galvanizing on the one main voice, as the civil rights movement did, galvanizing around the voice and the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. But... The, the the other the other series that we discussed, which I think was key, which also involved uh, your brother, Dr. Thomas Lovitz, who's the dean right. of the School of Public Health at Tulane University. We addressed right. COVID. You know, we yeah. addressed COVID from many different areas, uh, angles. We addressed the pandemic, but having your brother there, who serves on the task task force for COVID nineteen or the coronavirus in down uh, in Louisiana, yeah, the state Louisiana. task force, yeah, yeah, right, you know, it was, right in the midst of it, of, of oh, one of the one of the areas. I mean, that's your home state that has had absolutely. tremendous problems with uh, the spread of the virus, with yes. still having challenges with people getting uh, vaccinated, yeah. and that's and that's and again, that's one of the key problems. I mean, as that story emerged, we saw how our folk, black and brown people, would be disproportionately taken out by the virus. And then we still see challenges with Black people getting vaccinated. And a lot of this has to do with, again, misinformation targeting the community. A lot of the anti-vaxxers, a lot of the uh, people who are spreading you know, rumors and, and, and conspiracies and the like. And again, I, I have respect for people who are informed and make an informed decision about, okay, I don't want to get the vaccine because I want to wait. I'm not a first adopter. So forth. I understand that people are making an informed decision with an understanding of the vaccine. But you have people who are making decisions 
I don't. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, it's just I just don't want to do it. I don't, it's, it, it's, it's too fast. Uh, yeah. I I don't believe in getting the vaccine in order to getting the virus in me in order to stop from getting the virus. Well, if you were informed, you You're would know that the vaccine <laughs> does not give you the virus the way that it's constructed. It, it, that's that's not the case, and that's one of the things that just really, really. Um, you know, you know, grades at me because I think about one of my heroes, you know, Carter G. Woodson. Oh, yeah. Who, scholar, educated, but stressed the importance of being an autodidactic, to being a, a self-learner. And he had great respect and understanding of the scientific method and how to do research and how to get legitimate information and legitimate sources. But you have this movement that's out here now among people who they don't want to respect education, don't want to respect formal education. They attack it as if, uh, well, you're just all part of the system and uh, there's this there's, 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 uh, high level of distrust. So they go and they search the Internet and go get their own information. And a lot of times they're getting the information from illegitimate sources. Getting information from somebody that has doctor on their name, but they're not an epidemiologist. They're, you know, a nutritionist or, right. you know, or a podiatrist. <laughs> but, they, but, but they're espousing information about epidemiology or information. I mean, it's like, and, and, and oftentimes it is our people who are targeted with this kind of misinformation and then, and then and then of course you got the russians who are targeting us as a nation with disinformation to create disruption dissension have us uh, uh attacking each other and and, and like malcolm x said you know we're being you know bamboozled led astray hoodwinked right. <laughs> and um you know these things you know these are the kinds of things that we've been trying to address you know, with the show as well. Absolutely. And well, we've been doing just that. And every time we start to have these great conversations, we run out of time. Um, but <laughs> you're in luck if you're watching. Tune in for season two as we That's bring right. as we bring you more in-depth, thought-provoking discussions on issues that are affecting you in your everyday life. Also, we plan to introduce new guests as we introduce our book series and others, other individuals that are coming on uh, to discuss various aspects of their research and their experiences right. and why they decided to publish their writing. So before we leave, I would like to thank the man behind the scenes. The ben, man behind the man behind the scenes. Ben, ben in the dark web. The dark web. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Ben Bailey is our producer. That's right. And ben, ben Bailey of uh, Greenwood and Seneca uh, Media Company, you know, he's the one that you see our production. He's the one that uh, does all of it. Only thing Will and I do is talk. <laughs> That's it. Ben Bailey does everything else. So uh, we want to give us a major shout out to Ben Bailey, who works behind the scenes tire tirelessly, uh, making sure that we sound the way we sound and we look the way we look and make love, sure get the information uh, that impacts your life. So, again, not just Ben Bailey, not just Will Levis, but we like to thank the most important people, and that's you, the viewer, the subscriber. Without you, that's you right. know, 
it wouldn't be any LaVise and Claville. So we want to thank you again for your support for season one. But again, stay tuned for season two. And like always, continue to follow us, like and share and subscribe to our Facebook uh, and other social media. Yeah, tell us what you tell us what you what you want us to cover as well. Give us some ideas of what are the things that you want to hear about. We'll be Absolutely. glad to explore. Absolutely. And we love constructive comments and also your your compliments. So that gives us encouragement. Right. So again, this ends season one. Will it's been great uh having a conversation with you, meeting you here every Monday and Wednesday. And look, we look forward for season two. Absolutely, my brother. Bless you as well. So to all our to all our subscribers, to all of our supporters, thank you again for your support. Because to us, it's like that, and that's the way it is. We'll see you for season two.